1: lauren lee chen and the twins aaron and joshua fishman welcome back if you're a regular and thanks for finding us if it's your first time this is your host aaron fishman and on today's episode i'm joined by another wise and thoughtful guest if you're a consumer of nba content he needs no introduction but in line with my duties here i'll do one anyway coming to us from atlanta georgia Seiku Smith hosts the long-running Hangtime podcast, writes for NBA.com, appears on NBA TV, and takes breaks from basketball during most normal off-seasons, of which this was not one. On his podcast, Sekou's usually the one asking the questions, but as a consummate pro, he never minds turning the tables. For this Western Conference preview, Seiku examines the West while I set the agenda for the discussion. As a bonus, he opines on the big Giannis Antetokounmpo news that broke mere hours before we began recording. Sekou, I know you've been doing this a long time, and I'm sure you've grown accustomed to the rhythms and the flows of the basketball calendar. Obviously, the pandemic we're all currently navigating has thrown that all off kilter, and it was an extremely short offseason season. Did you get a chance to recharge your batteries at all? And how ready are you for the season to start? You know, 71 days, I think it is, is all
0: that I've had since the bubble, you know, between leaving the bubble and then the start of the season on the 22nd. So I don't know if I've even bothered to check my batteries, to be honest with you. (laughs) (laughs) I probably need to check them before opening night.
1: Um, They're still working a little bit.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm on fumes right now doing preview stuff. And uh, we've already knocked out our previews on NBA.com for all 30 teams. Um, I'm in the midst of taping my own season preview podcasts and predictions podcasts going into the season. And getting back in the studio Friday night for the first time since March for game time. It's it's wild. It's, I, I haven't even wrapped my head around where we are yet. I'll probably look up. On the twenty second, and, and be like gobsmacked that we're that we're cranking up another season right now. So I'm, I'm just kind of riding the rhythm right now. I'm trying to stay stay afloat as we get into this thing.
1: Well, thanks so much for fitting me into your schedule. Let's just let's dive in. There's so much to discuss. The West is really talented, especially at the top. I think there's a lot of depth there, even though there's some teams at the bottom that are going to have a really tough time competing this year. But I want to start with the Lakers. The Lakers are defending champions. From my perspective, they deserve to be the favorite. They had a really great offseason, but I don't see them as overwhelming favorites. Where do you stand on where they fit in?
0: Um, I don't see them as necessarily an overwhelming favorite, not in the West or, or not overall. But I do think they are decided you know, have decided advantages over everybody else in the West. And certainly you're going to have to bring, you know, a monstrous effort to beat them if they're to make it back to the finals and have LeBron and AD healthy and playing at their best at that time of year. Um, I do think Dennis Schroeder and the idea of Mark Gasol being added to that mix um, and Montrezl Harrell makes a huge difference. It's not so much that it's a colossal upgrade, but it's just uh, a genuinely fortuitous tweak for a champion that we don't always see. We don't always see a championship team make the kinds of adjustments that they've made coming off a championship. Usually you have salary cap limitations or, you know, guys are free agents and you have to deal with that, or there's something keeping you from adding the kind of talent that they did. Getting Schroeder was crazy. I mean, that's – you don't often see a championship team get a player of that caliber, uh, you know, in in a truncated offseason at that when you don't have an entire summer, you know, free agent period to go after guys like that. So it's – you know, as long as LeBron and AD are healthy – you know i think that's as much of an advantage as you need if you've got the best one two punch in basketball on your team
1: yeah i'm with you on that i think historically we've seen that championship teams their goal usually going into the next season is just kind of largely stay intact and fend off other teams trying to take their free agents and, and stuff like that but the lakers got younger and faster and at least for me, and in retrospect, I was clearly wrong. I thought the Lakers had some depth issues last year, and they were older, and if if there was a major injury to Davis or LeBron James or if some of those supporting cast members had to play heavier minutes, I thought the Lakers were in trouble and weren't going to go all the way last year. They ended up doing it, and now they're better and deeper. Going to the other team in Staples Center, the Clippers, they had quite an eventful offseason. They have a new head coach in Tyron Lue who's taking over for Doc Rivers after that 3-1 series collapse at the hands of the Nuggets. Harrell is gone as you alluded to earlier to Michael Green too. But um, another big change to me is the long-term extension that Paul George signed. And I'm curious your thoughts on how that changes things going into the season for the Clippers, and just what the task is that lays ahead for Tyronn Lue.
0: Well, I mean, he, the good thing for Chi Lu is that he was on that staff last season, um, so he's got some intimate knowledge of, of what he's dealing with. You know, could you imagine being a, a head coach fresh to that situation after their collapse Ooh. and having to figure out? how to sort through
1: it. No, so much pressure.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, to me, there's a built-in advantage for T. Lou in familiarity that wouldn't have been there otherwise. He's the kind of human being, knowing him as well as I do, the kind of coach who's going to be extremely beneficial to the Clippers as an organization. You're talking about a guy who's had experience with the pressures that come with a win or else you know, proposition like he had with LeBron. And they they obviously went through at one of the most difficult situations we've seen in the finals, down 3-1 to the Warriors, which seemed like an insurmountable lead, a, an absolute certainty that you think, oh, then there's no way there's no chance that they get out of that and they come back and win it. Now, it was different circumstances, obviously different teams. But just being able to come through under that sort of pressure to me gives you a, uh, an air of confidence, if you're T. Lou, in, in and a kind of a, a hard shell as a coach that you can win in adverse situations. So that, that I, I think, is the most beneficial thing that the Clippers get out of that. Um, as far as the roster and the chemistry and, you know, Kawhi and Paul George and leadership and the Williams and Pat Beverly and all, all these little side lights that were part of their season last year, which all the information has come out after the fact, which makes it really curious. You know, when you you think about, oh, now you're finding out why this happened or this happened, you know. Yeah. That is the curious part. I think buying in on Paul George but on the Clippers part, you got to remember both he and Kawhi had contracts that ran through the end of this season. So if you're the Clippers – and you know, and you want to make sure you sustain whatever level you want to be at. You got to get one of those guys, if not both, signed to long term extensions. And yeah. if I'm hedging my bets, I'm assuming Paul George was the easier one to get done at this point, rather than Kawhi.
1: I think so too. There's definitely a cost benefit analysis that they did, and apparently they determined that the benefits outweighed the potential costs. He's going to be under contract now until at least age 34. And he's had some injuries, but he's an elite talent. And I think the big takeaway is that that reduces a lot of the pressure on the Clippers. Still, given their talent, I would think it would be a disappointment if they didn't make the Western Conference Finals. But as you hinted at, after the season they could have been without leonard and george so uh, i do want to go to the denver nuggets they are i think overlooked which is really rare for a team that is coming off of a conference finals appearance just with all their depth and incredible continuity what do you think their ceiling is this season
0: i think they're I think they're in the same place they've been the past couple of years, honestly, which is not a bad spot. I mean, you're talking top two team in the in the Western Conference in the regular season. Now, what you do in the regular season and what you do in the postseason are two different things, obviously. In the past couple of years, they didn't have a postseason expectation. From you know, most people looked at them and said, "Ah, no, Denver's good, good regular season record." Nobody's looking at Denver and saying, "All right, if they don't get to the conference finals, then it's a disappointment." Well. They've changed that calculus now by virtue of their past two seasons, regular and post. Um, when you break through the way they did under the wild conditions of, you know, coming back from three one deficits in, in two straight series to make the Western Conference finals. And then you put, you know, you give the Lakers a sweat, uh, in terms of how you competed against them. They've changed the expectation for themselves in the postseason, which if, if you built the way that they have, which I think is some of the, some of the best front office work, roster building, player development we've seen the past few years, then you're right where you want to be. You're in that conversation, you know, among the best teams in the Western Conference. You have young stars who were, you know, entering into their primes. You have even younger potential stars like Michael Porter Jr., um, Bowl Bo being an, an even Bigger reach, but certainly with an upside that is is really uncomparable. When you think about his size and skill set, you're in a great spot if you're Denver. Now it's about making sure that you handle all of the detailed work of making sure you get better and continuing to to improve as a group and maximizing all those guys collectively to put you in a position to to compete for the same spot they were in, in the bubble. You want to be one of the last two teams standing. To me, the, as much as people talk about playoffs and this and the other, making the Final Four in the NBA playoffs to me is puts you on a different level um, when you get down to those conference finals. You get to the conference finals, it's very hard for people to complain about whatever you did because we all understand how difficult it is to get there. Mm-hmm.
1: Friend of the show, Michael Pina, who now writes for Sports Illustrated, is predicting that Dallas may not make the playoffs. And that's understandably created something of a backlash (laughs) online. (laughs) Dallas, of course, had the most efficient offense in NBA history last season. Luka Doncic is regarded as a leading contender to be MVP this season. Could Dallas actually miss the playoffs?
0: Sure. I mean, I guess anybody could if you have an injury um, or if things go sideways. you know. Any, I don't think anybody is um, insulated from the reality of a season and the wear and tear of a contact sport that might claim one of your best players. You know, God forbid uh, that we throw it into the atmosphere. But, you know, if they have a significant injury to Luca or Chris doesn't come back from his issues, You know, locked in and ready to play, it it becomes a much more difficult proposition for them to get into the postseason. It's not like they were a top four team last year. You know, they made it and they were secure in where they finished, but they were seventh in the West last year. And did they do something on paper, at least that makes us believe they've elevated into that top four status? I don't think so. I don't think they've. Made that kind of leap. So much of what we're expecting from them is is pinned to Luca becoming, which you know, what you mentioned and what I think and what a lot of people think is a bona fide top two or three MVP candidate for the next ten years. Um, if he's able to sustain that kind of play, then they should always be in the mix for the playoffs. That should always be something that's a goal. It, it's a matter of the the pieces around him that allows you to elevate that even higher and say, okay, they're a team that should be fighting for home court advantage or a team that should reasonably yeah. expect to compete for a spot in a conference final. That's when you start moving the needle a little bit on Dallas. But as of right now, I don't, I'm not saying that Michael Pena is right. I don't want to get involved in his uh, Twitter beefs, <laughs> with anybody, but I would say that that's not a, that's not a, a completely off the, off the board, proposition that they're going to have to battle to make one of the top spots in the West.
1: Yeah, I just want to say, I don't think he's completely crazy either. I think that they're in line for something like a six to nine seed, just because of the sheer talent out West and the Porzingis injury. And then after those two guys, there's a significant drop-off. There are real question marks on The closing five lineups that they have, if you key in on Doncic, he's such a good creator, but can other guys beat you? I think that remains to be seen.
0: I just don't know if they're, I mean, when you start laying out teams in the West, do you think Dallas is better than Utah? I don't think so. Do you think they're better than
1: Portland? I don't think so. I don't think so either. I
0: mean, yeah, there, it becomes a thing. We'll
1: talk about the Phoenix Suns later. Yeah. I don't think they're better than Phoenix, but right. that's an interesting up. debate. It'll be close. Yeah, not just you. It's not only the you. It's the competition
0: around you. That's how you. Yeah, you having to put it in that context.
1: Speaking of the Suns, there's a lot to like over there in the desert. They boasted the second best offensive rating in the Orlando bubble. And they've since added one of the best point guards of all time and veteran wing Jay Crowder. How confident? And I know we, we just talked about how deep the West is. How confident are you that the Suns will make the playoffs if Chris Paul largely stays healthy?
0: They're in the same predicament, I think, that a lot of other teams that were at the fringe or bottom of the West were last year. And that even if you've made massive improvements, there's just so much competition. Um, you know, so yeah, they're, they're going to have to ride whatever wave Chris Paul can create, you know, at that position in terms of elevating them. Now, they were spectacular in the bubble. I don't think anybody watched them and didn't say to themselves, this is definitely a, a team that, that should make the West Conference playoffs next year. But that's before everybody else does what they do. Uh, you know, there's such a, a crowd of quality, Teams in the West. I mean, there's no other way of putting it. You know, when San Antonio, after all the years they've made the playoffs, they're now in that that boat of teams that's kind of trying to fight their way into the in the mix. And mm-hmm. I just think that that's indicative of how good the West is. That a franchise as sound as the Spurs would be in that same realm. It's 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 just tough to make and then stay in the Western Conference contender party, let alone getting into the playoffs.
1: Yeah, I think Phoenix is going to be an interesting case. They were pretty inconsistent last season. They were a top 10 offense, actually, through the first two months of the year. They were pretty bad offensively the next three months before the pandemic halted the season. And then, as you mentioned, they were so good in the bubble. So uh, I, I think Chris Paul will bring some much needed veteran stability, but yeah, so deep and and really tough to sort out the bottom of the West. We'll also get to this a little bit later, but I think the Warriors are another team that may be battling for a playoff spot in the conference. We have to talk about the Houston Rockets who are basically a mess right now. (laughs) And that's largely because of the question marks surrounding James Harden's long-term future there. There's also the understandable concern regarding the health of former Kentucky teammates, John Wall and Demarcus Cousins, who are both returning from a series of lower limb injuries in recent seasons. How does one even try to project how good or bad they'll be this year? I don't know how you do it. Um,
0: you know, you're, you're not just talking about those question marks. You mentioned you got a new front office regime in place. Yep. You have Steven Silas as your new head coach who has done yeoman's work already, just trying to fend off questions and inquiries about James Harden before he showed back up and now that he's back. I Houston is such a difficult team to evaluate because we don't know is this the team they're going to carry throughout the season? Is this the team that's Put together now, you know, with James bought in or, you know, is is James committed wholeheartedly at all to sticking around? I mean, when you strip all that away, if you start moving pieces and changing things up, then to me they fall out of the, the conversation of teams that are trying to make the playoffs and become a team that's destined for the lottery. I mean, which... Seems ridiculous now for as long as Houston has been, you know, led by James Harden and a good quality team in the West. They're in a very dangerous position right now, falling out of that mix. And like I mentioned, once you fall out, you got to have somebody else give you an opening to get back into that top eight. Because in the West, everybody is swinging for defenses at all times. The boy you mentioned the Warriors, you know, the idea that the Warriors would be in this predicament two years ago, I would have laughed at you. I would have said, get out of yeah. here, you know, and could the Warriors potentially be facing a, a, a multiple year playoff absence? Well, yeah, if injuries hit the wrong way, and things don't go, you know, according to plan. Yes, you, you could easily fall out of the mix in, in the Western Conference playoff hunt. And, and that's for almost anybody that doesn't have two healthy superstars and a reasonable complement of players around them.
1: I think this is why so many of us love the NBA. Things can change on just a dime. And I think the Rockets are a great example of that with the hard trade demand. The Warriors are another example with all those injuries. and. It's got to be tough for franchises, but it could also be really uplifting as we saw with the Giannis news this Tuesday that we're recording.
0: Yes, yeah, uh, people are cheering, obviously, um, in Milwaukee that, that Giannis decided to stick around at the uh, spectacular price tag of what, $228 million on that Supermax extension. I didn't have any notion that he would leave or that he would be you know, looking for whatever guys look for in free agency. He's had a, a championship caliber team built around him in Milwaukee. They've, they've fallen woefully short of that in the playoffs. But to go out and dominate the regular season the way they did the past two years uh, lets you know that they can compete at a high level with him as their centerpiece. It's a matter of what you have around him now. but. Yeah. Look, it, it. This I've I've said it often. This is the greatest reality show there is. Is the 365 days a year that <laughs> the NBA breathes, you know? Because even when they're not playing games, NBA Twitter keeps you entertained on a daily basis. I mean, in the off season, in the lead up to seasons, during draft time, for agency. Even if there's nothing going on, even even in the summer where there is no high-profile international competition, the NBA finds a way to make headlines. And uh, it's what keeps us invigorated um, and, and fired up about what comes next because somebody's always evolving. I remember when the Warriors were first coming onto the scene, and it was, you know, you could project, like, how good might they be or are they good enough to do this or that? And, you know, they end up being a dynasty. And so you just don't know. There's no real legitimate way to forecast what comes next, who comes next, what team yeah. is going to be that next group. You know, might it be Denver? Might it be somebody else? You know, who becomes that next great team? I remember watching Oklahoma City when they were young, when they had Westbrook, Durant, and Harden, and thinking to myself, man, if these guys ever, you know, if they stick together and this pans out, this could be special. Well, I mean. They, they had three guys on that team win MVPs. And, you know, Kevin Durant went on to win a couple championships. Serge Ibaka went on to win a championship elsewhere. You know, they won these championships elsewhere. But at the time, you're thinking all of, all of that stuff could have happened for those guys in Thunder uniforms potentially. It's just but you never know. You never know how it's going to play out.
1: You really don't. And then Westbrook and Paul George were both locked up for a while, and, and now they're both gone, and the team is seemingly rebuilding. Anthony Edwards, first overall pick from Georgia, for you, is he the one that you're most excited to watch in terms of rookies this season, or is there someone else?
0: Actually, I mean, and I've, you know, full disclosure, he he played here high school ball here in Atlanta. Um, I watched him play think it was supposed to be his junior year, but it turned out to be his senior year. I think he reclassified, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so I was, I was intrigued, obviously, to see him in his lone season at Georgia and then where he landed in the league. But honestly, the one guy that I haven't seen enough of that I'm also really keen to watch out of this entire group is James Wiseman. I think he's the rookie that I look at and say, which rookie – High-profile rookies in a position where he could be on a team that's going to play at a high level for him to make a mark to kind of do what Tyler Hero did. Tyler Hero did um, in Miami last year. You know, does a do we get a rookie that gets on that stage either in the conference finals or finals? And you know, depending on what happens with the Warriors and how they evolve as a group, but Wiseman at seven foot tall with his skill set and what's going to be asked of him potentially could end up being a, a real linchpin for the, for the Warriors' chances of making the postseason and then making any noise once they get there. And we only saw, what, three games of him at, at Memphis, so there wasn't a ton of him to watch in college. I'm still intrigued to see what he can do in today's NBA, you know, as a big man, and then when you factor in that he has to battle with, look at some of the front court guys he he's gonna have to see as a rookie in the West. I mean, hell, welcome to the NBA, young fella. You know, we, yeah, they're
1: just you'd think they're just gonna throw him into the fire. Yeah, it was interesting how polarizing the scouting reports were on him. Some people really loved him, and some were really down on him.
0: I, I've come to understand, I, and and this is date myself probably, but. I remember sitting at summer league and having pe- NBA guys tell me that this kid LeBron James wasn't going to be very good because he, because they didn't think he played defense and they didn't think his, you know, they thought he was a bit of a prima donna or he'd done, you know, this and the other. And he only played high school and they hadn't vetted him. And I'm thinking, I don't know enough for somebody to hand me the keys to their organization to, to make draft picks. But I'm not an idiot. Like I know, I can see a potential superstar when I see one, and I use LeBron as an analogy, not to compare James Wiseman to him, but just to point out that everybody in the lead up to their draft has somebody willing to poke a hole in their candidacy for whatever you know might be out there. It's like there's always some naysayers. So if Wiseman, talent wise, is what we think he is, he'll have the opportunity that, that most super talented players who are drafting at the tops of drafts end up having, you know, a lot has to go right. Um, but he's in a great situation, a great organization that has shown us that they can develop star talent. And if he's not soaking up every second of what is going on in golden state right now, um, he's crazy. Cause he's, he, he came into the league in a great situation, one of those situations where uh a, Quality team is down on the luck one year and gets to draft, you know, at the top of that lottery and ends up getting a guy who they can plug in and play him, and he's he's a part of something really
1: special. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with more show. This is Jake Fisher from Sports Illustrated, and you're listening to On the NBA Beat. Over the first 21 years of San Antonio's 22-season playoff appearance streak that was snapped last season, the team's defensive efficiency ranking averaged 3.3, or a tick worse than the third spot league-wide. And if we set aside the three seasons between October 2009 and June 2012, then Popovich's squad placed in the league's top five in defensive efficiency every other playoff season save for the 2018-19 campaign. Framed differently, over those 21 seasons, San Antonio boasted a top 3 defensive rating 15 times, and finished 4th twice more. Then came the last two seasons, when they ranked 20th and 24th respectively, quite uncharacteristic of a Popovich-led squad. This defensive decline coincided with the arrival of DeMar DeRozan and the departures of Danny Green and Kyle Anderson. In Kawhi Leonard's final season in San Antonio, he managed to play in just nine games, yet the Spurs still enjoyed a fourth-best defensive rating. Despite the highly ranked defense, the Spurs finished seventh in the West that season, drawing a first-round matchup with the Warriors, who'd bounced them in five games. This has been a revival of our long-absent-but-never-forgotten Sexy Stats segment. Look out for it in our upcoming Eastern Conference preview as well. Now let's transition from Sexy Stats to Seku Smith. The alliterative S's are wild. A couple of guys who really could be future superstars heading into their sophomore seasons are the reigning Rookie of the Year, Jaw Morant, and Zion Williamson. How excited are you to see those two come back after their rookie seasons? Uh, juiced.
0: I mean, and we didn't get our normal summer league viewing of some of those guys, you know, some of those second-year guys um, with the way the pandemic hit and, you know, rearranged the calendar last year. I just want to see Zion play the, the, the minute that we saw him play in the preseason. So far, you know, I want to see him play 30 minutes a night just to see if he can sustain what we saw in glimpses during an an injury-filled rookie season. He's a mind-boggling talent when you look at his combination of size, heft, and and skill. And to see some, you know, to me, that is the beauty of, of NBA seasons and the NBA in general is just watching talent evolve and seeing if it can reach its potential Mm -hmm. in a given situation. And Zion presents all of the best things that we love about the league. You know, um, a huge star with with an exciting game, with a, you know, jump off the page personality or jump off the screen, if you will, personality and a guy who has every reason to work his tail off to be one of the game's greats. Same goes for John Moran.
1: I I totally agree. And I think that that's going to be a really interesting pairing the second season of it with Brandon Ingram, who is the most improved player of the year. He's a really good young talent. I know they lost Drew Holiday, but they did add Eric Bledsoe and Steven Adams. So I think they're going to be another interesting team. I don't think they're quite ready to make the playoffs, but who knows? There's a lot of exciting young talent there. Um, I wanted to dig a little deeper on the Golden State Warriors. Of course, Clay Thompson incurred that devastating Achilles injury just about a month ago. And that comes a year after he tore his left ACL in Game 6 of, of the finals that postseason. Curry played in just five games all season. He'll be back. Um they added Kelly Oubre and Andrew Wiggins is now back after finishing his season with the Warriors. What do you expect from that franchise after basically a lost season last year?
0: I I have no idea. I you know, and that's some quality expert analysis for you. <laughs> so I, why
1: would they pay you the big bucks?
0: <laughs> <laughs> um I feel like Bob Myers must have felt the, the minute he heard about Clay getting hurt, like, you think you've recovered, you know. And, and I was heartbroken that the Warriors broke down the way they did in the finals a couple of years ago against Toronto. Like I, I like to see a champion go out on his shield, but I want to see you go out swinging. And and they didn't really get a chance to swing, you know. No Durant, he ends up not, you know, being able to finish that series. Clay goes down, you know. They were. They were tattered and just worn out. Um, You know, I think the the one thing you you hold on to if you're the Warriors is that you built a culture there with Steph as your centerpiece um, that can withstand a lot of things. Now, losing Kevin Durant the way they did on top of all the injuries to lose KD in free agency was just an absolute dagger to the heart because – if you think about what might have been, even KD coming off an injury, if had he stayed in a Warriors uniform, changes everything. They're still among the league's elite. They go right back to a place in the front of the line in the Western Conference. But you take a talent of that caliber away and then you add in all these other things that have happened, it's just you just have no idea if they have the pieces to crawl, scratch, climb their way back in to that upper echelon in the Western Conference right now. I, I hope they do. I think Draymond and Steph will be hell-bent on proving that they do. But they need a lot of help. And Kelly Oubre and Wiseman and Eric Paschal and a lot of other guys are, are going to need to to do some heavy lifting to help them get there.
1: Yeah, you have to feel really terrible for that franchise. And who would have ever thought I would be saying something like that for a franchise – that went to four consecutive NBA finals and was just so blessed all those years.
0: Yeah, they went, I mean, I think they went to five straight. Um, and Joe Lacob, you know, was all, you know, he took a lot of grief for the owner talking about how they were light years ahead of the competition at, some, at one point. And they were. But that gap can close quickly, you know, when injuries and unforeseen things enter into the conversation. And look, I don't care who you are. And this goes for LeBron James and everybody else in this league. You are one injury to your superstar away from the lottery. The Lakers felt that, you know, not making the postseason in LeBron's first season when he, you know, got hurt. It is the one equalizer that will never be defeated. I mean, if you don't stay healthy enough in the right spots, your space you know, whatever area you think you've carved out for yourself in this league can be taken away in an instant. And that's something that yeah. every team has to understand going into a season.
1: Yeah. And you're right. It was five consecutive finals appearances. And the San Antonio Spurs, they had that 22 year playoff streak that was snapped last season, tied for the best ever in NBA history. They were extremely quiet this offseason on the transaction front, but Greg Popovich seems to always have something up his sleeve. What would he have to pull off this season to actually creep into the playoffs, or, or may it not take that much?
0: Yeah, I, I thought they were competitive last year down to the wire. Um, and with the play style, you know, uh, with that wrinkle now involved, there are teams, you know, you can finish in that, you know, 7 to 10 category and still have a, a fighting chance to get in, um, you know, to the play-in. So it's – I don't think that they're as far away as other people might believe they are. I think the Spurs, given Pops track record, kind of their, their muscle memory as an organization and how they play, you know, they're going to be – in that conversation, and at the bottom of the you know the the West playoff hunt, you know, and and again, like to me now, it used to be a thing where you say, all right, you got to make the top eight and you're good. Well, now you got to make the top six to really secure yourself. Right. That leaves that leaves that three four team group right outside of there to battle for those two spots. Sometimes it's five teams even. That's where the entry comes. You know, in the second half of the season, is who plays their way into that, you know, that mix, and then who finds a way to get in that playing tournament and be the team that's playing your best basketball at that time. That's that's what it's all about right now, to me, for for quite a few teams around the league. It opens up Mm -hmm. the playoff window for quite a few more teams.
1: Before I let you go, and this was such a pleasure getting to talk to you ahead of the season starting, I'd love to get your general thoughts on the level of star player resting that we should expect to see this season? I know the NBA eased those restrictions a little bit given the pandemic and how the the season has been constricted a little bit and there's less rest naturally between games. But what do you expect to see on that front?
0: I think it's as normal a piece of the NBA now as – Tattoos on players, and you know, crazy colored sneakers. I mean, it's just people need to to get over it and and stop fretting about it, and and understand that with the science and technology involved in professional sports, in all of the work, all the studies that have been done, that's just a component of your, you know, physical training staff, your medical staff, like they have all taken into account these different, you know, precautions to keep players as healthy, rested and prepared to compete as possible. And, you know, it's one of those things that I remember people fighting about it and arguing about the past few years, thinking to myself, do you really think we'd ever go back to, you know, just throwing players out there no matter what, their health status is after you find out all this information and you, you've gone through all these situations. You know, like, how are you going to convince Kawhi Leonard that he shouldn't be load managing, even in his own mind, that he shouldn't be thinking about the preservation of himself and his body for the long, you know, for the long haul? I mean, that's just, I think we've seen too many instances where it's worked out for teams and players, you know, to to have some kind of protocol involved in their program for that that we shouldn't waste our quality time arguing about it. It's just it's one of those things that we have to swallow as as fans, that that's going to be a part of the process moving forward until we see something that argues against that point, until we see some data that says it doesn't help, it doesn't do anything, doesn't preserve anything for, you know. Until we see something to the contrary, I really think, Love it or hate it, it's a part of it's a part of the NBA now. Moving forward,
1: yeah, there's no going back. With more information, that's just the evolution. We, yeah. we as humans, we learn more information. We, we try to evolve and make better decisions with the information we have. I just, I don't see the incentive to reverse course now at this point.
0: No, I agree. I, I don't. I don't know what you think that would do for you as an organization in terms of keeping your best players as healthy as possible. These are these are your, you know, and I, I don't like to boil it down to the business of basketball when we're talking about the players like this, but these are your your largest investments as an organization. You put more money and resources and effort into cultivating these guys as you have anything. So the notion that as, as an organization, you would do anything to take away from that is counterproductive to your entire mission, which is to gather as many high-quality stars as possible and and see yeah. if they can help lead you to a championship.
1: Well, thanks so much for stopping by. I really appreciate your time and insight, and I'm looking forward to catching this season's Hang Time podcast. So You're going to be on three times each week now this year?
0: Yeah, we're changing up. We're going to be on three times a week. Um, we've already started previewing the Western Conference with Channing Fry, previewing the East coming up with Jason Jackson. Um, we're going to be doing basically a power rankings focus on Mondays, updates on Wednesdays on the on the big games of the week and, and forecasting the Thursday night TNT matchups and going into the weekend. And then Fridays we'll be back with another, you know, and the, all of these podcasts are going to be shortened from our, our usual length of close to an hour. You know, we're going to be doing 20, 25 minutes, each of these three days and, the, and that Friday one will be focused on the Kia MVP chase and kind of what's coming up on a, on the weekend slate of games. So we'll we'll stay timely and topical and have tons of great guests to come on and, and talk with us on the Hangtime podcast, which is going in into its uh, second decade now, which is staggering when I think about when we started it and wow. where we are now in the 2020 and 21 season so glad to still be doing it and looking forward to having fun and and, and talking to a lot of great guests on the Hangtime time podcast
1: you're doing great work
0: thank you sir i appreciate it appreciate you as always enjoy your show and uh, appreciate you having me on those guests